Battleground Productions presents Brass, the audio series, episode 39, Rites of Spring. The year is 1886, and it is early in the morning on this first day of spring, as the Flying Scotsman pulls into Charing Cross Station. As the doors of the first luggage car are opened, the porters see that it is filled with wooden crates, each three foot square. As they begin unloading them onto the platform, a small man with a large moustache and an officious air comes bustling up. Hold on, hold on. What are these? I've no idea, sir. Well, where are they going? The form says to take them out to the street. What? Who's going to pick them up from there? It doesn't say. That's me. That's mine. Good gentleman. <laughs> I'm to receive that shipment. Excuse me? Uh, Jacob Tuckman, at your service. President of the Cloth Peddlers Guild and in the trade myself. Man and boy, for over 40 years now. What are in these boxes? See for yourself. Open it, Porter. Now what is that? That inscribed wooden box, gentlemen, is a sucker box. It's part of our sacred rituals that must be followed every year for Pesach. Pesach? Yeah. What the Gentiles call Passover. Why are there so many of them? Ah, each Jewish household must have a sukkah box. Why didn't I see them last year? Last year we didn't need them, but this year <laughs> my people need everything we can get. All right. We'll sign here. And Porter, get these to the street. I don't want a bunch of yids cluttering up my station. Of course, officer, and thank you. Well, my boy, there you go as ordered. 150 boxes and 150 at my trade to take them all over London. Thank you, Uncle Jacob. I sure hope you know what you're doing. I think we do. Thanks for spreading the word to the Petticoat Lane crowd. Yes, it's what I do. Talk. Yasher Kosak, my boy. Yasher Kosak, Uncle. And would it hurt you to go see your mother a little more often? I know, I know. Hey, come by and see us for dinner. Your aunt, she misses you. Meanwhile, at the velodrome outside Aberdeen, final maintenance is being performed on 30 fixed-wing aircraft and passengers for each of the flivers assigned from the household of the Brasses, as well as a pair of highly esteemed guests. So then... The Queen rides with Whitestone, Albert flies with Dr. Jones, and I fly with Mrs. Nation. I'd prefer having Mrs. Nation for the assault on Beddington, as she's a terror at the bombing runs. Mrs. Gage, then. An equally good aviatrix, Lady Brass. <laughs> Mum, there's a platoon of soldiers on their way here now. What? Numbers and distance, girl. Approximately 150, eight miles on horseback. 20 to 30 minutes. We must leave now. Start your engines. We are leaving immediately. Where's Mrs. Strike? She's not coming. What? She told me she's not going up in a fliver, not even for an extra Christmas bonus. We're leaving her behind? She's staying behind. Not to worry. She says she'll make her own way down to London on the train, as civilised people travel. Madeline, dear. Your Majesty. Do you happen to have any books of poetry with you? I... I'm not much of one for poetry, Your Majesty. Pity. Ah, oh, well. We shall rely on the poetry we've committed to memory. What is this for, Your Majesty? We're working on this speech that we shall deliver, and I wanted to liven it up with a dash of poetry. 
Shelley, I think. Shelley might suit the present circumstances, yes. Now, please, Your Majesty, your plane. Of course. And with whom am I flying? That would be me, Your Majesty. How exciting. Albert, watch your step getting up to your seat. O'Leary. Sir? Report on last evening's newspapers featuring the seditious religious material. We've sent people to all of the newspapers. There will be no morning edition distributed by any of the offended parties. And all later editions will be sent to the Lord Chamberlain's office for review before print. Good. By tomorrow, in recompense, we shall let them publish the exciting news that our glorious air fleet has destroyed a colony of anarchists and killed a few Frenchmen in the bargain. And the Archbishop? Reports say, believe it or not, that he was one of the three men making his way around the newspapers with the story yesterday. Archbishop turns agitator. Another anomaly. Benjamin, what are you up to? If you find the Archbishop, have him silenced. And I'm not particular as to how. Out! Lady Brass! Yes, Mrs. Gage? Below! Look! All those men! About 150, I imagine. They're closing in on the velodrome. Fairly unimaginative formation. Mrs. Drake is still down there, isn't she? She is. I hope she doesn't kill too many of them. O'Leary? Sir? I have just had word from an agent in the Thames Estuary Patrol that last night there were reports of a sea monster heading in an easterly direction. Oh. Do you think a sea monster might qualify as an anomaly? Prime Minister, there's only so much I can keep track of. I want no excuses. I want data. Bring me data. Including anything about this sea monster sighting. Well, uh, I expect a report shortly from Scotland and the velodrome. Full details. The moment you have them. Out! It is not long after noon that flying low over the Thames come two fixed-wing flivvers. They descend to the extensive cricket grounds at Battersea Park and taxi to a landing. Careful getting down, Your Majesty. Oh, thank you, Lord Whitestone. Oh, <laughs> you are quite the gentleman. <laughs> Quite the gentleman. Now, where's my Albert? Yeah, Victoria, what a Wonderful experience. Cyril should be along any moment. Here I am, Mother. Hello, my dear. Cyril Brass, how excellent to see you. You as well, Lord Whitestone. And who is this? Mother, this is Father Reynard. Enchanté, Lady Brass. Good afternoon, Father. Uh, my boy... Have you found religion since I saw you last? <laughs> no, Mother. I assisted Reynard in getting the newspapers last night to run that ecumenical proclamation against the government. Well done, Father. It's Paul, please. Your son has been a valuable assistance to me, so I am here to give whatever help I can to you. Can you fight? Mm, tolerably well. Good. 
because Lord Whitestone needs to make his way towards Parliament, and we need to keep their Majesties protected. That might involve some violence. Your Majesties, you remember my son Cyril? We do. Hello, my boy. Wonderful to see you. Your Majesties, we've got to get you both over to the Albert Bridge, where Mr. Tesla is setting up the transmitter. Mr. Tesla? The man with the lightning tricks. He made Albert's hair stand on end during a demonstration. <laughs> Quite a wonder worker. And that's what we're hoping from him this afternoon. Wonders. Now, let's get moving. Meanwhile, from beneath the swiftly moving current under Blackfriars Bridge to the north, a sleek and mysterious form arises from the dark waters of the Thames just long enough to set forth a small rowboat in which are seated Lord Brass and Abbot El-Qatar. So, you're off to beard the lion in his lair. That's the plan. I'll admit, I'm disappointed to not be headed to Parliament, as I had quite a wonderful speech. But Whitestone shall manage. Tell me, Benjamin, are you confronting your arch-nemesis man-to-man for tactical advantage? Or merely for your own sense of the theatrical? If I've done my job right, my friend, it will serve both purposes admirably. Ah, there you go. The landing. Scull a bit to the left. I know how to row, Benjamin. And the direction is called port. Never did like the sea. Now, going under it was quite the experience. Yes, um, me and Henry will see to all the upstairs rooms. Come along, Henry. Don't dawdle. All right. In here. Okay. What's in here? Someone's bedroom, apparently. You don't know whose? The room's owner is not important. Gwendolyn, I'm doing my best to roll with the punches. You hand me clothes, I put them on. We introduce ourselves to the housekeeper as window cleaners from the agency. I go along with it. But now we've infiltrated these nice people's home... What are we doing in some stranger's bedroom? Again, the room's not important. That window is. Because? We're going to go out it, up to the roof, then over three houses. That's how we're getting into Von Hartmann's house. That's right, through his attic. When it's time, that is. Now, out the window. Oh, are you afraid of heights? You're asking me that now. Sorry, shouldn't have made an assumption. No, fortunately I have no fear of heights whatsoever. Marvellous. Now grab that Eve, swing up onto the gable, and jump over to that pediment. I'll be right behind you. We're quite a ways up. Move! What's the report on the Paris expedition? There's been some delay. Crime Minister in readying the fleet. Apparently it's a holy day for the Lascars. The navvies who inspect the fleet and load the cargo. Yes, something called Ramadan. The Islamic month of fasting. That's the one. And you're telling me that Ramadan now requires them to not show up for work? The fleet should be able to leave in a matter of a few hours. Make it two, O'Leary. Leave this channel open and I'll be back soon. Out! What a surprise to see you in the flesh. Eric, my friend. Uh, you shaved. <clears throat> you look exactly the same. Same old, honest, good Eric. May I come in? Of course. Uh, tea? The kettle's on? I've brought my own tea, thank you. I'll need nothing more than hot water. Oh, 
Uh, well, a cup? Ha! I brought my own cup! I suppose you have no interest in a biscuit or a pettifor? I had a marvellous lunch. The most exquisite seafood, thanks to my host, Prince Dakar. Do you mean... Captain Nemo, that's right. Charming man for a pirate. What a mind. This submarine of his, you know. It shall revolutionize science. It certainly has the potential to revolutionize warfare as well. Oh, Eric. To think of an invention's utility in war is a failure of imagination. Wars are such a waste of not just lives, but resources. You know, Benjamin, I thought if I'd ever see you in London again, it would be at the head of an army. <laughs> an army? That would be something, wouldn't it? No. As you can see, I am here alone. Well, then. <laughs> Do you mind if I ring for some tea? I don't recall you ever mentioning servants. Oh, not human servants, no. Uh, but have you not encountered the marvelous mechanical creations of Professor Masculine? Is that a badger? It is. I have a bit of a whimsical sense of humor. <laughs> you see, the tea spout is in its nose. Ingenious. Hot water for you? From the same pot? Of course. Now, run along, little fellow. We have business to discuss. To your health, Benjamin. Thank you. I intend to keep it. now. What is this room? An observatory. Note the telescope and skylight. Ah, in the star charts. Yes. And the badger? What? Metal badger statue? Awfully big for a badger. Mechanical badger. Not the fuzzy kind. No. The deadly kind? Probably. Throw something at it, Dad. <laughs> something bigger than a chair. <laughs> Oh, that slowed it. This way. It's cutting through the door. And that sounds like more of them coming. Stairs. No, the back stairs. This way. Father's in the parlor in the front of the house. You pose a problem to me, whoever you might be. You're not calling me Eric anymore? Professor Eric von Hoffmann almost undoubtedly died in a boating accident that conveniently drowned the four academic colleagues who were his only close acquaintances. Well, that's disappointing. I really thought I had covered my tracks most thoroughly. You had, but I put my best men on it. My problem is, while you are not Professor Eric von Hoffmann, I suspect you're every bit the genius he was reputed to be. Thank you. You're welcome. However, you're also, as far as I can discern, entirely immoral and tremendously dangerous. So, what do we do with such a threat to not just London, but to mankind in the aggregate? Your typical crime boss 
is little more than a glorified thug with little in the way of intellectual ability. Agreed. But not only have you organized and controlled every criminal gang in London, you managed to out-strategize me, destroy my home, and nearly murder my family, and now, it seems, have taken the reins of the entire British Empire. It's been a busy year. You know, whoever you are, what I admire most about you is your energy. You did all this while working a full-time government job as a Minister of Science. Some days I've scarcely energy for half the plots I'm supposed to be thwarting. It really is a case of managing your time. We all have 24 hours a day, it's what you do with them. But time spent in travel from a thieves' den to your flat alone. Oh, Benjamin, you know London. Does it surprise you that the notorious rookery where I keep my dark office is only a matter of a few streets to the east of here? Sadly, it does not. It's what gives the city its spice. Humanity stacked on humanity like cordwood. As Samuel Johnson said, when a man is tired of London, he is tired of life. There, across the way. The door down to the cellar, I think. You think? I think. Did we lose them? I don't know. I don't know how they're finding us. They found us. Don't correct my grammar. No, they found us. We're taking that door. Yet, as your ambition has grown, your rudimentary moral sense hasn't. Here you have control of the greatest empire the world has ever known. And what have you done with it? The seditious alien act? Police guarding citizens, criminals looting unheeded? Unrest and riot in your colonies and negotiating with pariah states? This is how to destroy an empire, not how to expand it. Ah. At last, I see the great hole in your vast storehouse of knowledge. History. You believe in science and that it can create heaven on earth. I don't know about heaven, but I believe we have a shot at creating a better world than the one we were born into. And I agree. In creating a better world? Yes. Then if you believe in a better world, why are you doing all that you're doing? History tells us, shows us, reminds us that violence and disruption are not only the tools of revolution, but of evolution. In times of peace, the tools at hand are enough, and contentment rules the land. Centuries may pass in tranquility and stagnation. Like a lazy and complacent cat, society forgets what it is to hunt. What we need to awaken is war and revolution and chaos. It is time to bring that into the world. That's insane. That's history. If the 20th century is to be truly one of technological progress, it must be a century of nightmares. Only after we have honed our dull edge again through war and tragedy can we move past a heaven on earth and seek a heaven in the stars. For that is the true destiny of our race. You know, I really must ask again, who are you? I am the future. Arrived a century too early. But it's never too early to start it, don't you think? Now, let us speak of your plan. Is there one, Benjamin? Arrest me? I control the police and the entire state. Kill me? Well, you can try. Others will take my place and hunt you down as my assassin. 
How did you imagine you'd get your beloved London back? Do you have an army I should know about? An army? No. Interestingly enough, I do have a squadron, not an army. We've got the common people. <laughs> you do, do you? Mm -hmm. And when exactly are we to expect the common people, the unwashed masses, the cattle, to rise up? Do you expect that they'll simply take to the streets when they hear that Lord Brass has risen from the dead and returned to lead them on? I don't believe so, no. I suppose I can still cut a formidable figure, with the help of a trust, but I'm not relying on my appeal to make the call for revolution. I see. And so what is your plan? Uh, did you hear me? I did. Sorry, just checking my watch. I'm quite sure it's accurate, in which case perhaps... Ah! There we go. Good citizens of London, this is your queen. A fair number of you have heard us speak before, though not through such an apparatus as this. We live in an age of wonders. My fellow Britons, I speak to you at our moment of greatest crisis. Our government has been usurped by a criminal conspiracy that seeks to rob this nation of its fortune, its fame, its fundamental decency. Unscrupulous leaders have divided us against each other and cast the blame on those who far too often have carried it before. The Muslim, the Jew, the foreigner and the outcast. But if you are hearing my voice, know this. You are all Britons. No matter the hue of your skin or the coins in your purse, you are citizens of not only an empire, but a nation. Now is your time to act. Arise, arise, Britons. Come to your parliament and let none stop you. Gather and show the strength of a nation to those who would lead it into shame and self-destruction. Let us remember the exhortation of our dear poet Shelley, who said, Men of England, heirs of glory, heroes of unwritten story, nurslings of one mighty mother, hopes of her and one another, Rise like lions after slumber in unvanquishable number. Shake your chains to earth like dew, which in sleep had fallen on you. Ye are many, they are few. There is nothing I admire so much about you as your justified reputation as a strategist. Thank you. Uh, do stay away from that window. There's no use in signaling to the sniper on the opposite roof. I'd imagine Arbor took care of him some time ago. Now, shall I have to shoot you, or will you consent to be placed in these manacles? Neither, I think. Really, you are extraordinary. I've no idea if you'll succeed, but uh, I applaud you. Stupendous. Indeed, Benjamin, as I sit here comparing your brilliance to mine, I, I realize I have only one real advantage over you which is that I cheat. And how do you cheat? I know you value my capture over your life, but what of the lives of your friends? 
And your daughter? Explain yourself. While we have been talking, I am quite certain your daughter and friends have been attempting the rescue of Mr. Ponder Wright from a small cell in the basement of this townhouse. Now, how would you know that? They had worked out quite an ingenious method of communication with my prisoner. Unfortunately for them, I have a curious mind. And two days ago, in an idle moment, I was scanning some of the other wavelengths of Nicola's astonishing invention. There I happened across a wireless broadcast intended for Ponder only, telling him to prepare for rescue. So yesterday, my curious mind led me to perform a somewhat delicate mechanical operation on him. One that takes advantage of his prosthetic arm. His arm? It now includes a sizable flask of pyroglycerin. As a chemist, you're quite aware of how unstable a substance pyroglycerin is. The slightest bump or jostle. And that arm will transform into a chemical grenade with a blast radius, I should wager, 32 feet. And since the cell is in is only 10 by 10, there's going to be an exponential blowback. You despicable monster. Now, I would say that during the course of their escape, odds are not favorable that that arm won't be used in a forceful manner. At which time? Which way to the basement? That way, through the kitchen. Goodbye, Benjamin. Oh, do look out for the mechanical badges. What, this funny little chap? Meanwhile, in the basement... Bullshit! How many of these things are there? Ah, this is the door. Ponder, it's Gwendolyn. We'll have you out in a moment, dear friend. Within the cell, Ponder opens his eyes and gazes at the door, which even now is being expertly picked by Gwendolyn. As he sits up from a drugged stupor, he sees that his mechanical legs have been returned and are functioning, though his mechanical arm is still manacled to the wall. What is going on? What is going to happen? How could any other revelation or unexpected twist of narrative fate possibly occur in this story? For the conclusion to all such questions, join us next episode for the finale of Brass Season 4, Episode 40, A Curtain Falls. Brass is manufactured by Battleground Productions and features Kate Cray as Lady Brass, Charles Leggett as Lord Brass, Catherine Grant Sutty as Gwendolyn Brass, and Jeremy Adams as Cyril Brass, with Larry Albert, Dennis Bateman, Margie Bickman, Lisa Carswell, Amy Decker, Nancy Fry, Ronnie Hill, Philip Keeman, John Longenbaugh, Matt Middleton, Terry Edward Moore, Tad Morgan, Pam Nolte, and Nikki Vissel. Brass was recorded at Jack Straw Studios, engineered by Joel Maddox, with sound design by Kirsty Gilmore, and music composed by Bruce Monroe. It was written and directed by John Longenbaugh. For more information on Brass, go to battlegroundproductions.org. Find us on Facebook and Instagram, and to support us, fund us on Patreon, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. <laughs>